flashback to three years ago. It's Women's History Month at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, and after a long day of meetings, the final reception of the month is winding down to a close. Slowly, the crowd has dwindled to only the hardcore stragglers. You see, we're soaking up the last of what has been an almost magical day of fierce feminism. Then, as I'm drinking down my third or fourth glass of champagne of the afternoon, my boss at the time walks up to me. You have to meet this woman I was just talking to, she says. You'd have a lot in common, and I think she works at Marvel? I knew exactly who she'd been chatting with. Sana Amanath, the co-creator of the new Miss Marvel and a trailblazer in the world of comics. The woman who had just introduced the President of the United States and presented him with his very own personalized comic book. Sana's reputation for unapologetic diversity and the creation of authentic characters was becoming legend. Without a word, my boss pointed to the far corner of the room. I made a beeline for Sana, awkwardly stood there for a moment until she politely introduced herself. And then I fangirled for about 10 minutes. But my fangirling was cut short, somewhere between how is it to work at Marvel and what projects are you working on next? The Marine security detail informed us that it was time for us to leave. Little did I know that three years later, I'd have the opportunity to pick up that conversation with Sana, now the vice president for content and character development at Marvel. Welcome to Marvel's Voices. This is Sana Amana's story. Her passions, what drives her to continue creating and advocating for authenticity and inclusivity at Marvel. Most importantly, this is a story about who she was really checking for at the White House that day. I was so I think at that point too I was like oh should I like ask him to hang out it was like weird you know what that's yeah. what it was I was like she looks like she's paying attention to something else yeah. and I don't want to take her time no 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 it. I think it was just uh, the marine oh. I think that's what it was <laughs> I feel like this is all stuff that we should be talking about on the podcast yeah I, are we recording it a minute ago perfect so we have some good stuff about yeah no I who to date not er- well here's the thing not everybody gets an opportunity to meet someone for a second time for the first time. Yeah. So this is great. This is amazing. Whatever. We had the coolest first meeting ever. We met at the White House. We did. And it was a great day. Yeah. That was an incredible day. So hi for the second time. Hi for the second time. (laughs) In now in in my house. We were in your house before. Now we're in my house. I'm very excited to be in this house. So yeah. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. It's Uh, a Friday. Yes. It is a Friday. Can we nap here? I, the couch looks amazing. <laughs> Friday makes me feel very tired. Does it? Yes. It's Friday. I think it's Friday at 2 p.m. or whatever time it is. And the day is not done. Here at Marvel, there's always something going on. Is there? Yes. We. I just had uh, hosted David Mack, who's one of our artists. Ooh. Uh, he did. Uh, he's done a bunch. He's worked on Marvel Knights for us. He's done a bunch of different covers for us. He he worked on the um, all the art in Jessica Jones, the, the credit scenes, and then also the art in season two. So... Very talented dude. Blocked him around. There's always, and then I I also gave him a bunch of comics. See, you're a giving person. (laughs) I'm generous. Well, I think that comes. I'm so I'm a baby. I'm a baby of the family. Like, oh, me too. Seriously, yes. Of how many siblings? I have two older sisters. Two older. Okay, I have three older brothers. Oh, yeah. Slightly different experience. So my mother would have loved that. My mom wanted a basketball team. 
Okay. And I was the late baby. So I don't know about you. I know you're like in the 80s. I was an accident. So was yeah. so <laughs> I wasn't necessarily an accident, but I was, we're going to try one more time for a boy. Oh, yeah. They weren't even trying. They were, <laughs> it was, you know, Saturday, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> best accident ever in I my was. book. <laughs> I'm definitely the best out of my siblings. So <laughs> I tell them that all the time. It takes a lot to be a baby. It It, it does. It does. Us. You have to deal with everything your siblings jacked up before you got yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, like, I had, because I had three older brothers and I dealt with, you know, I'm sure youngest sibling, you're picked on all the time, you're bullied, you get the scraps, they get all the things that you don't, and they think, oh, but you're spoiled because you're the youngest. And you're like, no, my parents forget sometimes that I'm around because they're tired, Right. They're totally tired. They're you just took like everything out of yes, them. Yes, they're exhausted now because <laughs> you guys were jerks and such brats. Your entire life, you got you got the cars, and I, you know, we we got the leftovers. We got I got my parents in, in their old age. That's what my mom calls me. One for the old age. So, <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. And you always get the worst nicknames. Yes, you. Oh, of course you do. You um, gotta you gotta tell yeah. me what you have. Mine. Well, no, my brat, my brother just used to just call me like brat, you brat, brat, you little brat, 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 and he just would continue saying brat, um, and he would say some really mean things. I don't want to repeat it. <laughs> PTSD. <laughs> well, they would call me adopted because I was last one, so I was adopted from the Philippines. And they're like, well, your eyes are smaller than all of ours, so you're you're adopted from the Philippines. Yeah, it was bad. I'm yeah. not going to lie and say that that didn't also happen to me. Yes, it did. <laughs> my, uh, my sister had this thing where they called, uh, so one was sugar, one was booger, and one was fart. And so the <laughs> oldest sibling was sugar, the middle sibling was fart, and then I was booger. Oh, my God. That's actually terrible, but also kind of cute. <laughs> it's also kind of cute. They also called you know. me squirrel, which now makes me a huge fan of squirrel oh, girl. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Squirrel's a cute one. There is right? there's a long story that goes. Like you don't have to remind people that it's basically a tree rat, but <laughs> but it's not when you don't think of it that way. It's cute. Yeah. Do we have a lot of things in common? Eighties babies. Eighties babies. Were you a Prince or a Michael Jackson fan? This Michael is a big Jackson. Thing. Yeah, you're a Prince fan, right? Mm. You know, I had an ex boyfriend who's a big Prince fan too, and he took me to uh, a Prince concert. Yes. How'd this go? Yeah. It was great. Okay. Oh, I had a great time. It was amazing. But I wasn't like a huge Prince fan. He's a huge Prince fan. Mm. But it was an incredible, incredible concert. I mean, he's like was a fantastic performer. I feel like their whole clothing style is coming back too. The 80s? The 80s is in style. Is it? I feel like now we're shifting to the 90s. Are we? No, I think it's like now slowly getting to the 90s. Yeah. Oh, your boxer shorts showing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. right? Like, I just bought a pair of earrings, these, like, gold triangle earrings. And the guy I was buying from, he's like, oh, man, this is something my mom would rock. And I was like, okay, cool. And I was like, oh, shoot. I was like, this is stuff from, this is straight up. I looked at it. I was like, oh, this is what Janet Jackson would wear in one of her music videos. It was straight up from the 90s. It's awesome pair of earrings. That guy was 15, I think. Janet Jackson has life goals as well. Speaking of Janet, Janet Jackson and Paul Abdul. So I used to do um, choreographed dances with my cousins to their songs. So straight up now tell me, I used to dance my face off to that song. 
and we would be like in the basement being like, okay, now we're going to do this. Now we're going to do this. I mean, it makes sense because eventually I did, I joined a dance team in college. Yes, very nerdy. But it was great. I had a great time. So that answers uh, one of my key 80s kids. Like, this defines a person. Yeah. Dance off or sing off. Clearly, it's dance off. Oh, totally dance off. Uh, I mean, some of our Marvel parties uh, are are uh, me trying to dance off, challenging everyone to a dance off. I mean, I lose usually every time because I don't really care what I, I look like. But I, uh, I but feel that like means you're winning. Mm, wait till you see. <laughs> and then you will feel very bad for me very quickly. So one of the coolest things, because I have slightly cyber stalked you, which is actually not that easy. Really? It's not that easy. You're very good at Thank comms. Thank you so much. I think that's like the nicest compliment I've ever heard because I'm actually not a real comms professional. <laughs> you stick to your talking points. Yeah. Very well. Right. I'm, I'm ve- I'm- Thank you. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting is when I've been doing all of these interviews, everyone tends to ask the same question again and again and again. Is diversity important? And it's like, mm, Yeah. You know, like it's just I, I so you end up going to like the same things again and again. And so it's easy. And no one I don't think people have really asked. I mean, I've had some really great interviews, but I don't think anyone's sort of gone outside of the regular sort of path line of questioning. Um, because for a lot of people, it's, you know, they don't really know the world of Marvel Comics specifically. So they're kind of cur- they're curious about our characters. They're curious about our creative process. So it's a lot of similar questions. So. Okay. I don't really dig in. But you are correct. There's not really much beyond, I guess, the professional stuff. So I hear that some of your fandom started with uh, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yes. Oh, so you dug deep, actually. Um, yeah, it started because I have older brothers. It started with um, C.S. Lewis. Uh, and I read his entire series. But the first one was my favorite because – the concept of opening up a wardrobe and suddenly you go into another world is like every kid's fantasy. Um, so yeah, I, I got into the sci-fi world that way and, you know, Star Wars was a big thing. Everyone loves Star Wars. But I wasn't, it was one of those those movies that you weren't supposed to watch. And by the time I was born, there was already two films out. So, or no, actually all three, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so... I kind of fell in love with sort of the nerdiness and geekiness when I was very young, but I didn't realize. I was just like, oh, this is just fun storytelling. Like, I wasn't thinking this is a particular genre that mostly boys like. It was just fun. Uh, and then I also let, read a lot of, like, period, like, Anne of Green Gables, Boxcar Kids. Jane Austen is one of my favorite. Um, but more period-friendly uh, books, you know, like George, well, I guess they're, they're technically Georgian novels. Uh, it's a mix of both. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the time period is, but I love. I love books like that. There's something very romantic about it. So I feel like my like story aesthetic or preference for aesthetic is emerging of you know fantastic and romantic at the same time. You know, um, so I try to blend that into the work that I do. So if you were, like, writing your own biopic right now, like, who would be your co-director, co-writer? That's a tough one. I mean, probably it would be, I mean, it would be me and, like, Mindy Kaling, right? Like, you want something a little 
quirky. I, I prefer quirkier kinds of stories. Um, but yeah, maybe me and Mindy, and then maybe we bring in Christopher Nolan for, you know, <laughs> for a giggle, see what he can do. Or J.J. Abrams, actually. I think J.J. Abrams would kind of blend nicely into that world. So are we talking J.J. Um, Abrams Star Wars? Or are we talking J.J. Abrams Felicity? Felicity. So because I will say the worst thing about Felicity was the last, um, the twist, the time travel thing. Right? You're just like, what is going on? Like he went, to, but there was a way he could have, I feel like he could have pulled it back. He definitely should have pulled it back. <laughs> um, but he just couldn't help himself. He definitely could not help himself. Uh, but I feel like there's, a, he can probably you know, add in a sci-fi element without going to the extreme that he did. Or you're like, is this a completely different show? I don't know. That being said, if you had J.J. Abrams, you would clearly have some kind of superpower. What would it be? Um, teleporting. Oh, yeah. Because the, the, the idea of just being somewhere else immediately, like I could travel the entire world. Imagine. Don't have to worry about getting on a plane and being like 15 hours and exhausted or... Turbulence. I hate turbulence. <laughs> Getting stressed out during turbulence and being like, I'm going to die. Um, no, it's just, you know, I think there's so many different places I haven't experienced and it would be so great just to go. And then, I don't know, I guess you can't do things faster that way. I don't know, it's merging because you want to be able to teleport and you also want to be able to do things very quickly. Because then imagine if you do things fast, you can maybe learn a language very Ooh. easily and very quickly. I'm here for this. How so. many languages do you speak? Two. Well, Kind of French, but it, I'm terrible at it. My name is Angelique Rocher, and I speak terrible French. As oh, well. do you? Oh, God. So I'm not going to even try because mine is horrible. <laughs> um, did you learn in at school? Why? Why were you? So, ironically, my family is Mexican, German, Haitian, French. Oh my God. And Native American. That's amazing. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, but one side of the family embraced it. One side of the family ran from it. Okay. So identity crisis, clearly. Yes. Oh, familiar. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I decided I was going to learn Spanish. My sister it's, lives in Paris and speaks beautiful, fluent, I'm going to rub your nose in it, French. Uh, and so I have to visit her and I have to take the kids around. So I have to know at least an- enough yeah. French yeah. not to be like, oh, you American. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I used to say, je parle un petit peu. And then I'm like, I shouldn't because it's not even... A little bit. But there's effort. It's the intentionality. That's what I think. So tell me what it was like growing up in a house with three boys. Um, Loud. It was, uh, you know, you, I think when you're the only girl, and because I was so in love with like stories and being in my own world, I created my own space for myself like physically and I think like also emotionally because I was always in my own imagination and drawing and I had an imaginary friend and um wait 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 you had an imaginary friend yeah I had an imaginary friend we would play in uh my room and in the bathroom and I had many opinions because we had a beautiful like big tub so we would go in the tub and pretend we were sailing so um yeah, it was great. It was nice. It was a nice childhood <laughs> by myself <laughs> because my brothers were doing their own thing and I had no sisters. Um, and they were much older. I have two of my brothers. One's 10 years older. The other one is 11 years older. And then uh, the other one is four years older. So it's another commonality. My oldest sister is 12 years oh. older. And then the sister below, below that is 10 years. Oh, my God. Wow. Very yeah. similar. 
it's almost they're almost like you know at that when you're very young they're so much older than you that there's no real everyday interaction they're probably at college or away by the time you're you know conscious of being a human being do you know what I mean like when you're like oh I have thoughts and feelings and suddenly your older siblings are away and they're at a whole another stage but they're really influential right yes yeah I know there's a lot of things that I particularly do now and things that I really love that my sisters really loved because yeah regardless of you know how much they call you brat brat yeah (laughs) (laughs) they're still like oh hey older sibling that's doing cool things that I want to do when I grow up yeah totally well my oldest brother he was really the nerd he's the one who introduced me to comics introduced me to like astronomy and um, science fiction and all that but he had this really incredible um, telescope and so he would take me out at night and teach me about the stars and the moons and I would see the crater up close and so I had this fascination for the stars and galaxies when I was very very young I've always loved astronomy and the possibility that every single one of those stars could be like a whole other solar system and that means there's probably life out there. And so that totally like t- obviously today connects to everything that I do and that I'm so excited about and, you know, telling stories about outer space and aliens coming in. It's just the stuff that you dream of as a kid. Um, but that was very I always thought he was like the smartest person ever and the the coolest person ever. Well, I knew he was a nerd always. But <laughs> uh, but I thought he was so, so, so smart because he knew about all these things. I thought everything he said um was so interesting, and I still think that of, about him. He's taught me a lot, uh, and you know, and my, my brothers have all done different kinds of things that have been really interesting and inspiring. And um, and now it's my turn. Now they have kids and they're hanging out, and now it's my turn. And you have the coolest job ever, according to these kids. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, they're very, very excited, but they brag about me a lot, which is kind of cute. They like bring the comic book and be like, "That's my aunt's name," and they'll show my name in the book in, in Ms. Marvel or Captain Marvel or Hawkeye or whatever. And it's it's sweet. Um, they care. My my. So I did a. I had a feature. I don't know if you saw this, but Vogue featured me in American Women. And so my nieces were – or my sister-in-law called me and she's like, your nieces are so excited. And they're like, oh, my God, look. And I was like, oh, that's so nice of them. They're so excited for me. They're like, they're like, no, look, our name is in vogue. Like they're like, they're like, oh, yeah, look, I'm on it. It's in vogue. It's our name. It's our name. It was just like, I'm like, oh, so it's about them. But it's great. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it. I was like, they're excited about the fact that, you know, they can go tell people that they're, they're kind of famous. Yeah, my seven-year-old nephew was like – my sister was explaining. My sister's a huge Disney fan. Yeah. They've lived in Florida for a while. And she was like, tell your nephew like about your new gig. And yeah. I was like, I, you know, I'm working at Marvel. And he goes, Marvel. And I go, yeah, where Black Panther comes. And he just right, lost it. Right. He was just like, what? Yeah, yeah. It's really, really cool. Like my nephews and nieces all know me as like the Marvel aunt. So they're just like, oh, can you get his comics? Oh, how come we didn't get to go to the screening? How can we? And I was like, and I have a lot of them. So it's hard for me to divvy out and dole. So every time we have like sales at the Marvel offices, I just buy a bunch of things and I just give them to whoever. How um, many is a lot? Twelve. You beat me. I yeah. only have seven. Oh, that's close though. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They range literally from like nine months to 21. Yeah, so similar. Well, ours, our mine ranges from three years old to nineteen. 
So what do holidays look like? And what does what does a dinner look like with this many mess? people? Yeah. <laughs> it just there's food everywhere and crying and fighting and I don't know. I've never known anything different though. I grew up in a huge I have a bunch of cousins, huge family, all lived in the neighborhood. Um we I have like twenty six cousins on one side. I have fifteen on the other. We had some adventures. Yeah. It was a lot. But I think it was better for me because it you know, when you when you're constantly around people, like it forces you to know how to interact, you know, and be a human being and be personable and stuff like that. And also deal with a lot of different kinds of personalities and egos. You have to be really calm. So it's good. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> people have egos. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, when you're in entertainment, that happens a lot. There's a lot of people with egos and you just kind of have to know how to navigate it. So if I was listening to your iPod right now, I'm switch gears because I want to. This is this. I feel like people's music. Okay. What they read, their music, and how they feel about Prince and Michael Jackson are all very Michael important Jackson things. Yeah. Like, what does your iPod look like right now? Well, it's kind of a little old, but I've been listening to a lot of uh, Khalid's album. He calls himself Khalid, but I call him Khalid because it's an Arabic name. Um, that guy is very, very talented. I love. I love his voice. Um, I'll, and then sometimes I'll throw back to like Lauren Hill. She's like one of my favorite artists of all time. I know I'm so sad that she's not around as much anymore. It was very, very sad. But that album changed changed my life. And then I don't know. It just I guess it just depends on my mood. Um, I was listening to Dashboard Confessional the other day. Actually, I was talking about them. Uh, but just some throwbacks every so often or are good. I used to be very emotional in college and used to play dashboard confessionals very loud. It's very emo music. Food Network. Yeah. I feel like you have feels about the Food Network. I do. I love the I love the Food Network. Well, okay. So here's here's why. Because when I was very very broke and I had I couldn't afford like even internet, I only had like four or five channels on my cable television. So it was like you know, the CW, NBC, ABC, like all the regular networks. And then for whatever reason, I got the Food Network. I have no idea. And so I would just watch the Food Network all the time and just be so enamored with like the process of creating something. I mean, it's really just like I love food in general, but the process of creating something and making it look beautiful and taste hopefully delicious. I see a theme in your life. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is amazing, right? Yeah. Is you have this opportunity to like see how things are created and break it apart and like. Yeah. You were, were you a math nerd? You know, I wasn't very good at math. I'm much more of a visual person. Mm. Yes. Even like when I write, I try to write visually as well. That means you were in the perfect line of work, it seems. Yes. (laughs) I did not plan on it, but it, it ended up happening that way, so. What was your plan? Like a poli-sci degree with a minor in Middle Eastern studies? Yeah. Journalism. I was going to be a journalist or um, international law. So interesting. I have a degree in the international laws. Are we the same person? I really feel like. I think we might be. This was always meant to happen. (laughs) (laughs) That would be great. I would learn so much about great makeup technique and (laughs) great outfits. So next up on Marvel's Voices. Eyeliner. Eyeliner. And wing. <laughs> <laughs> so first comic book. 
Ooh. So it depends. Like, in terms of actual first comic comic, it would be Archie Comics. I don't remember which one it was. Really? But I started comics through Archie and then Calvin and Hobbes. And then Marvel comic, it was probably, I am honestly don't remember if it was Runaways or Ultimates, but I started with Ultimate, like actual regular superhero comics was Ultimate Spider-Man. So that was with Bendis um, and Mark Bagley, and it was the, I guess, newer version of uh, the Marvel Universe, if you will. Um, and then Runaways kind of just changed my perspective on the way to tell superhero stories. I love Runaways so yeah. much. Run- Brian K. Vaughn's amazing. He's one of my favorites, favorite writers. So if you had a superpower, what is your actual superpower? My actual superpower? Um, Let's see. I think I don't know. I think I'm good at making people feel at ease. Right? Not trying my my biggest thing is like making sure people are comfortable. So you're really mantis. I'm really Oh yeah, interesting. Well, not mantis, so far. Yeah, man, but- mantis sometimes wants people to be angry or sad. So I don't want that. I want people. To, I want people to be. I want people to be themselves. I want them to be comfortable. So I, that's what I. I try to do. Although people have told me I've, I'm intimidating, so I don't think it's working that well. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's just because, you know, I think it's because of like what I've been able to do. So that's maybe that's they have a perception that I'm intimidating or mean. I'm not mean. Very nice. But what you do is almost. It seems like it's almost secondary to breathing. Yeah, uh, you know, you, you know what I what I do think um, I do well is, and sometimes I, I I miss the mark, but you know, when you have an idea for something and you kind of envision what it needs to be and what it looks, what it should look like, and what it should feel like, and just the the world, the colors, the setting, the set pieces, like that, I think ha- building that vision and trying to figure out who to bring in to enhance that vision is one of my favorite things to do. And there's just a, a sense of it, right? Like, and knowing what in, what the image is that you need to sell to be able to tell the story you want to tell. Um, you know, I love putting together cover images because I think that's the best way to um, sell a story and tell a story, but also make an image that's really beautiful and impactful. Like, you can't just hire someone who's an illustrator or just someone who could do a very good portrait because – it's just, you know, I'm sure it's beautiful, but it's not telling you something about what the story is going to be about or who fundamentally that character is. Um, and y- there's a lot of different elements that come to play. And also, like, which kind of artist that you're going to bring in says so much of what kind of story it- it's going to be from a, from a stylistic perspective. Um, so I love, I really, really enjoy that. And I think I have a a pretty good understanding of what works and what doesn't work and... Let's talk more about that, though, because there yeah. seems to be like a lot of passion and intentionality that you put into, um, even as you just broke down your process, right? Yeah. Like, how are we doing this This very authentically created that is also not so orchestrated that it seems contrived, yeah. right? Like, there's this line. Like, yeah. is that just a gut feeling? Is it something that... Yeah, I mean, I think it's. I think it's sometimes it's a gut feeling. I think sometimes it's... I mean, it's always a lot of collaboration, right? Like you can go into a story and say, um, you know, for example, when when we were developing um, the Kate Bishop Hawkeye series and Kelly and I, Kelly Thompson and I were talking, you know, she was like, oh, I really want to do a Kate Bishop. Did it? And we're like, okay, well, what's the angle? What's the hook in? What's going to make this feel different rather than just another book about a, a Hawkeye character? 
And so she was talking and she was telling me the story about, oh, well, maybe she's a, a private investigator and such and such and such. And I was like, well, what if we just like pull her into a totally different setting? And in my head, I kept thinking well, as she was pitching it, I was like, oh, I was like, this is like a Veronica Mars kind of story. I was like, this is I was like, this is just Veronica Mars meets, you know, the superhero world. Um, and that's kind of what we leaned into was saying, OK, what would the world of, uh, of Veronica Mars superhero look like? Right. And what is it that makes Kate Bishop? And she's such, by the way, I have to special shout out to Kelly Thompson. She's such an incredible writer. And I'm so proud of what she's been able to accomplish um, in the last few years. And we just announced that she has an exclusive with us and she was at the retreat and something that like we'd been fighting for for such a long time. But her in particular, I think she has so much like natural talent. Um, but it was so much fun developing that series because, you know, I think the, the, the biggest question I ask my writers when we're developing a new new series is I'm like, what's the hook? What makes this different? What makes this different from any other book out there? But then also what what makes it very specific to this character, right? Like make sure that when you're telling a story that no other character can be dropped in that place. Like if you're going to tell a Kate Bishop story, it has to be a Kate Bishop story. You can't come in and have Wolverine do the exact same story. It wouldn't make sense, right? Like and a lot of writers don't realize that. Um, and so we realized, okay, well, what, you know, the, the question I, I had asked her, I was like, well, you get into Kate Bishop's world. Yes, fine. We know that she can do archery very well, but why can she do archery very well? And what does that connect to her being a private investigator? And it's like, well, you see things. She sees things differently. She sees things that people don't see. So she sees like if she can go and hit a shot, you know, hundreds and hundreds of feet or like a mile away then that means she sees things in a far, far distance. So that means she can pick up clues. She can see elements that a normal person doesn't. And so that was really fun integrating that into the art. So we had like Hawkeye vision. We had Kate Bishop vision. And so picking up clues in like a one single splash spread, which Leonardo Romero did very, very well. Um, it, it started making the book feel different. And then like Kelly strung in the concept of anchor points and how that's related to you know, being an archer and what that relates to her actual life and what she was looking for and what was missing for her. Um, so, so much fun developing that project. And uh, I love the process of talking to a writer and trying to get to the guts of what the story has to be and then bringing in an artist to visualize what the world is going to look like. And and once it's all kind of merged together with Leonardo and Jordi Belair and colors and Julian Tedesco, who I think did some of the best covers of his career on Hawkeye, um, but saying, oh, let's lean into the pulp kind of novel, mystery novel vibe, which my assistant, ed- former assistant editor, Charles Beecham, that was his idea. He's like, oh, why don't we do this? And I was like, oh, my God, makes perfect sense. Um, so it's a lot of different elements and people, but just making sure like my job as the editor was to make sure that we were continuously as much as we're like, you know, stretching, you know, that we're going to the left and right and going all these you know, winding paths, we have to sort of come back to that center lane and make sure we're retaining that, the story, the the truth of the story, but like really what is going to get people excited to read a, a Hawkeye story. You're like the best teammate ever, um, which is really cool because like you have this, you came up in a family, there's, there's four of you, you've got all these cousins, you played lacrosse, you did track, like you have this team thing that is like really core and key to your ethos and I can kind of hear it as you're talking about interweaving I can almost like see you walking over the plot lines Um, (laughs) if you could put together your own superhero tribe who would you mean characters yeah 
Oh, my God. This is tough, man. All right. I've always loved Gambit and Rogue. I talk about this all the time. I would. They're just going to have to be there. Um, I love Squirrel Girl. I, I'm not going to mention Ms. Marvel because everyone's going to expect me to say Ms. Marvel. So I lo- love you, Kamala, but you're going to have to... Expect the unexpected. Yeah, I was like, you're you're always she's like my family, so it's different. Um, so I would do. So I said, Squirrel Girl. It's gonna be a random team. Rogue and Gambit. They could be very fun together, though. I love Daredevil. I'm a big Daredevil fan. Um, the Matt Murdock, written by Mark Wade, is I think one of my favorite versions of Matt Murdock. So I would do specifically that one. Uh, and do I have one more? Yes, I have one more. Ooh. Who would be the last one? Oh, Storm. Ugh. Yeah. But which Storm? Um, Probably Mohawk Storm. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yes. Yeah. Um, very important. Lockjaw, mm-hmm. Stitch, or Cosmo? Oh, Lockjaw all the way. So adorable. I, so adorable. So adorable. Yeah. I love playing. I loved having Lockjaw and Ms. Marvel. I thought it was like they were such a funny little team and duo. Peter Parker, Miles Morales. Miles. Why? You know, it's it's funny. I love Peter Parker so much, but because I was on, like, I was a part of the development process for Miles, and I think one of the earlier times in my career where we were creating a character from scratch, um, there was something about that experience that I thought was so natural and exciting, and I don't know, Miles just felt like somebody I knew. Right. Like he felt like a real human being. And, you know, Peter's always been a cartoon character to me, of course, but I knew how important that character was going to be. But to be on the ground up and and feel like I saw him like come into existence and like all of the incredible talent around it, too, that helped make that character into to who he is. Always special place in my heart for Miles. I think I already know this answer, but favorite superhero couple. Oh, Rogue, yeah, Rogue and Gambit. I feel like you've answered this yeah. like four times. <laughs> yeah. Um, I might already know the answer to this one too. Spider-Man or Deadpool? Ooh. You know what? It's going to be Spider-Man. Okay. Spider-Man's still up there. Why? Because I think he's so, like, he's so relatable. Like, I get his stuff. I, I think Deadpool's amazing. Don't get me wrong. I love Deadpool. But I think he's such a relatable character and... I mean, really, like when when we made Ms. Marvel, we were thinking about Peter Parker. You know, that was the idea was being like, how do we make a different version of of Peter Parker? She's she's as you know, you know, you could put her up with any other character the same way with Spider-Man. You can put him up with any other character and it's a delightful story. Um, And I think he, you know, he's he's funny and quirky and smart, um, but he's got a lot of heart. And that's, you know, reminds me of people I know. What does inspire you? Um, honestly, it's sort of everyday life and little moments. And, you know, and sometimes it's big moments. It's like seeing people like Emma Gonzalez stepping up and saying her opinion. And she's like 16 years old and she's so tough and she's so motivated and passionate. And to be that age and have the and use the platform. She had the platform and she used it in such a positive way. And that's inspiring. And really inspires me for my work because a lot of the stuff that I do is work with younger characters and, you know, say that I do believe in the next generation and how they can change the world. But we try to say that everyone has their own sort of unique power. That's actually a lot of what we're doing with Marvel Rising 
with the new animated feature that we're working on is specifically about these other heroes, about these unexpected heroes. And I think, you know, Emma and all of the students that rallied with her are such examples of that. And that is incredible because that's effectively what we try to do with our stories and try to remind people that they have within themselves. And then like everyday moments, you know, interactions with my parents, the funny things my mom says. My mom sends me like text poetry. And I feel like those little grounded moments with your parents where they're being totally themselves but so different and unique and weird um, that people wouldn't really like experience if they hadn't – if they never met them. And that's the stuff that I think, you know, what makes life really special and engaging and and wonderful but, you know, also I think makes for some really great storytelling too. Do you have some text poetry on your phone from your mom right now? probably do this would be amazing no but sometimes so so it depends on uh her mood let's see oh she didn't do much because i sent her the vogue thing and she says wow alhamdulillah which means praise god she says may your blessings multiply as time goes by love you mom we need to get you a show just reading your mom's texts. Yeah. That would she, be amazing. She was, oh my God, it's the best. And then she's like, once she had texted me and she said, sitting here, to mass texting all of her children. She said, sitting here, watching the stars, wondering where all my children are. Call me, your mother. It's just like, okay. And it's the best. It's always the best when she sends me them. But she's got, yeah, she's definitely got, a lot. I should collect them and then do a dramatic reading for you another day. Yes. Everybody wants it. I'm requested multiple times in the office. <laughs> Sana volume two. <laughs> How would your mom describe you? Um, as very smart and um, but what's the, her rock? Who do you do this for? My work? Um... I think I do it for my parents, for sure. Um, but I th- think I also do it for – there are a lot of um, kids out there, young kids out there, but young girls out there who didn't think it was possible to do something different and who didn't feel like they had to be limited by whatever they were born into – and to give them some possibility of being something else or trying something else or believing in something else and kind of finding themselves. Um, I'm hoping that the work that I do but the stories that we tell inspires them to find themselves and be comfortable with who they are and to build something great despite wherever they are or – whatever group they belong to. So I've heard you refer to Kamala as your little sister. Yeah. What would you say to your kid sister, like, right now, this moment? Ooh. um, Oh, I'd say lean into the weirdness. I need that on a shirt. (laughs) Right? Just lean in. Lean into the weirdness. Some pretty great life advice. Thanks to Sana for sitting down with me and thank you for listening. As you know, we're a new show and we'd love to hear from you. 
So leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you love what you hear, make sure you share with a friend. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Marvel.com. So I'm super excited because next week we're back again. Yeah, next week, where I am going to sit down with actor, model, and activist, also one of the voices of T'Challa, and Jay from Lifetime's Unreal, Jeffrey Bower Chapman. So make sure you're subscribed, and I'll see you next week.